All right, so we're diving in to a new sermon series, and we're going to look at uh, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, would you turn with me there? And if you don't have a Bible, uh, there should be a red one nearby where you can follow along with us. So if you're using the red Bible, it's on page 471. series, we're going to be looking at uh, four of the most common and familiar stories around the birth of Jesus. I mean, that makes sense. We're celebrating his birth, and so we're going to read those stories. And like I said before, this season celebrates the arrival of the Messiah, God's deliverer, the one who would come to save God's people. And for the people in the first century, They were longing for it. It had been over 400 years since the last time that God had spoken to them through the prophets. And so for 400 years, they were looking around wondering, God, where are you? God, are you going to show up? God, are you going to do what you've promised? And so there was this great anticipation. And we likewise joined those people of God saying, God, I know that you've come to set the world right, and you've promised to come again as a final declaration of your kingdom. Where are you? Because I look around you, and I I look around this world, and there's strife and war and disease and famine, and there's pain and suffering. God, where are you? That's what we're pressing into in these four stories. And they're familiar stories to you, I'm sure. Whether you've grown up in church or not, I'm sure you've heard these stories. And my, my caution for us the next four weeks is let the stories speak for themselves. You know, we, we long for something new and novel and fresh. I mean, we long to get the newest iPhone every year it comes out, right? We, we long for newer and bigger and better and faster or smaller or whatever it is, you know. We long for something new. We think new is better. And so when we come to familiar stories like this, we tend to think, God, I I wish you'd give me something new here. I've heard it before. But I I fear that I'm going to disappoint you because I'm not going to be saying anything new in these stories. I'm just going to be telling you what, what the story says and why that's important for us. So let's ask the Spirit not to reveal something new to us, but to remind us what has been there all along. As we come to hear the message of Jesus again, we pray that the Spirit would just awaken us to see what has always been there. And as we look at Matthew chapter 1, we're going to look through it and, and ask these three questions. One, what do we have to be afraid of? Two, what has God done to calm our fears? And three, how can we enjoy that now? What do we have to be afraid of? What has God done to calm our fears? And how can we enjoy that now? So let's read Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Jesus, Joseph, sorry, Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, teach us to not fear, but to trust in you. Remind us of this story again, that Jesus came to save sinners like us. In his name we pray, amen. So first, what do we have to fear? What do we have to be afraid of? Actually, quite a lot. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot in this world to be scared of right now. In fact, the Bible, from cover to cover, the most frequent command from God is do not fear. And that makes sense. There's a lot to be scared of. There's a lot to be fearful of. There's small fears like being scared of spiders or snakes or tornadoes. That was a fear of mine as a kid. And there's bigger fears too. The fear of getting sick, the fear of uh, losing a loved one, watching them pass away. There's a lot of things to be fearful of. And in many ways, fear is a good thing though. Have you ever heard of uh, fight or flight? And that, that is a natural reaction of our body as soon as we encounter fear. When we have fear, our, our adrenal glands produce a chemical and it causes us either to run away to safety or to stand firm and defend ourselves and fight against the opposition. Fear can be a good thing. But there's a deeper and darker fear than just those surfacey fears. There's a deeper fear, that fear that leads us to ask that deep and dark question, God, where are you? God, do you even care about what is going on in my life? That deeper fear, that question, I think, was on Joseph's mind and heart when the angel appeared to him and said, do not fear. Let me take a step back and remind you what all was going on in Joseph's life that had led him to that deep fear. Well, first of all, he was betrothed to Mary, so he was engaged. And for anyone that's been married, you know, engagement is a fun season, but it's also a very difficult season. You're planning for a big wedding. Friends and family are coming into town. You're about to spend the rest of your life with someone else who's going to know everything about you. There is fear involved And then you're spending a lot of money, you're going to premarital counseling, you're sort of learning what are the challenges that we're going to face. Joseph was about to be married, to start a new family, to start a new life. And that's fearful, maybe one of those smaller fears compared to the other ones, but certainly fearful. And then on top of that, Mary is now pregnant, 
and Joseph knows he's not the father. So add to the stress of planning a wedding, preparing for a new family, and all of a sudden your bride-to-be is pregnant. So now he's facing the fear of what am I going to do? What is she going to do? What are we going to do as a new family? And according to the law, what, what, what Joseph, as a righteous man, ought to have done, he had two options. He, yes, he was allowed to go and, and seek a certificate of divorce. And he could either do that publicly or privately. Now, if he did it publicly, that would shame Mary. Ma- Mary wouldn't be able to show her face around anyone else. She would always live with that stigma of adultery. She would be cast out. Or, and this is what Joseph was going to do, he was going to do this privately. He was going to seek the divorce, and then he was going to get out of town. He was going to say, you know, this is the best thing for Mary if I leave, because if I stay here, then she's going to be put to shame. But if I leave, then the blame can fall on me, and she can finally have a life. Joseph was feeling tremendous fear, and in the midst of that fear, the angel of the Lord says, do not fear, for what is happening in Mary's life is from the Holy Spirit. This is what the angel says. We just read it. Do not fear, son of David. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And Joseph woke up, and his fears were calmed, and he went away and did just as the angel had told him. What was it that the angel said that calmed his fears? Because honestly, just hearing that message doesn't immediately calm my fears if I was in that position. But Joseph knew that what the angel was saying was a reference to something in the Old Testament. And Matthew helps us out. You know, we don't know this reference very naturally, but Joseph did. And Matthew helps us out. He says this was to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah, a virgin shall give birth to a son, and his name will be called Emmanuel. Now, we don't probably know that story, but let me remind you of that story real quick. Let me show you why that brought peace to Joseph. Back in 730 B.C., uh, the, the kingdom of Israel was split into two. There was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And that northern kingdom ha- had, had fallen away from righteousness. They, they had fallen away from worship, and they had actually banded together with this enemy army called the Syrians. And so the northern kingdom and the Syrians banded together, and, and they, were, they were together because there was an even greater enemy, the Assyrians. And so the northern kingdom and and the Syrians, they said, all right, we need more people. Let's go down to Judah. Let's go to King Ahaz, and let's ask him to join us so that we can defend ourselves against our enemy. But Ahaz knew that to join forces with Syria would have been to abandon faithfulness to God. And so he said no. King Ahaz said no. But here's what happened. The northern kingdom besieged Jerusalem, surrounded the city, cut off their water, cut off their food, cut off their supplies. And and on top of that, the Philistines were coming from the west, and the Edomites were coming up from the south. And King Ahaz feared for his people, for his nation, and for his own life. They said, we're going to take down King Ahaz and set up 
a puppet king who will do what we want him to do. In the, in the midst of that great fear, the Lord sent the prophet Isaiah to speak comfort to him. This is how fear, how fearful King Ahaz was. In Isaiah chapter 7, it says that the heart of King Ahaz and the heart of all of the people shook like trees shaking in the forest with the wind. Have you ever been so scared that your body shakes? That, that kind of fear where you, just, you can't sit still, you have to pace around, you have to, you have to fidget, you have to tap, you can't lie down at night because it's just flooding your mind and your heart. Have you ever had that kind of fear? Look, I know that we're in the midst of the year 2020, and it's not over yet, and it has been a crazy year. There is tremendous fear. I mean, every day we wake up, and we're consciously thinking through, what decisions am I going to make? Who am I going to be with? Where am I going to go? What am I going to wear in order to protect our lives? We are living now with a new kind of fear that we've never lived with before. And on top of that health fear, I know that many people in this community, not just in Story Church, but regionally, have lost jobs, who have felt financial strain because of this year. I know that some people have lost loved ones and have seen people that they care for hurting. There is tremendous fear. Our hearts are shaking in the wind. What do we have to be afraid of? A lot. There is legitimate fear around us. But that leads me to my second question. What has God done in the midst of our fear to calm it? Well, he sent Isaiah to King Ahaz, and he sent an angel to Joseph. But hear what the angel, what Isaiah said to King Ahaz. He said, do not be afraid. Do not fear. Be careful. Be quiet. This enemy and their plan, it shall not come to pass. He spoke words of assurance in Isaiah 7. says, do not fear. This is not going to come to pass. And he said, stand firm in your faith. If you do not stand in your faith, you will not stand at all. And the Lord says, and I am giving you a sign to guarantee for you, to promise to you that it will not come to pass. And this is that sign. A virgin will give birth to a son and his name will be called Emmanuel. Isaiah told King Ahaz, you can trust in the Lord in the midst of your fear. And here is the sign of the guarantee. There will be a son born to a virgin and his name will be Emmanuel. It's exactly the same message that the angel said to Joseph. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Your greatest fears will not come to pass. And here is the sign. The virgin is giving birth to a son, and his name will be called Emmanuel. What God has done is he has answered that question 
God, where are you? God, do you even care about me? And that answer is yes, I do care about you. I am coming to you. I am sending my son, Jesus, and he, his name means God with us, Emmanuel. Jesus is the resounding yes and amen to the question that we all ask ourselves in the midst of our fear. God, do you care about my life? Do you care about my circumstances? Do you care about the world falling apart around me? Yes and amen. I am sending my son and he will be God with you. Man, what a tremendous announcement. God with us. God with us throughout the whole Bible. Time and time again, God assures his people, I am with you. I am with you. Do not be afraid. I am with you. Look, this is just a cursory glance. Genesis 28. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. Deuteronomy 31, be strong and courageous. Do not fear, for it is the Lord God who goes with you. He will not leave you. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Isaiah 41, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Zephaniah 3, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save you from cover to cover. When God promises to be with his people, there is protection, there is deliverance, there is salvation. Why? Because that's just who God is. His very presence amongst us promises protection. That is who God is. Have you ever stopped for a moment and have asked that question, who is God? I mean, it, it, it dumbfounds me. It, it, it's so hard to wrap my mind around that idea. Who is God? What is God that he would come and be with us? Well, I have found th this one definition very helpful and insightful, and I'm going to read it for you now. This comes from uh, what's called the New City Catechism. It's this question and answer format that helps us learn about who God is and what he has done for us. And so this is question number two, what is God? God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal, infinite, unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. Man, that is beautiful. God is the creator of everything. The, the, the planets, the animals, us, nature. He is the creator of the whole universe. He is the one who spoke everything into being before time, before there was anything at all, there was God. And he created it all, but not just that. He sustains it now. He, he holds all things together. Behind every force and behind every cause and effect stands God who holds it all together. He is utterly eternal and infinite in his power and perfection. He is far greater than the sum of all powers and strengths, all fossil fuels and renewable energy and, and nuclear power. That is nothing compared to his power. 
everything he does is full of that perfect power. But he's not just merely wielding power. He is wielding it for good because he is perfect in his goodness. He is perfect in his wisdom. He is perfect in his justice and truth. Everything he does with that power is perfect. It is good. It is right. It is holy. There is nothing that God does that is outside of his good and perfect and holy plan. And because of that, and I think this is perhaps the most crucial for our time of fear, is that nothing happens apart from his sovereign will and plan. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. No wonder when his people hear that God is with them, it casts out our fears. Look, this is why I think it is very important that we continue to invite people to Story Church. Let me, let me say that. I, I don't think that my preaching is all that great or that our music is outstanding and, and record-worthy. I don't think our kids' ministry is, is going to attract hundreds of kids. But what I think does attract people is the very presence of this holy and perfect and good and gracious God in our midst. That is why, fundamentally, we should be inviting people to Story Church. Because when they come here, they encounter the living God. Jesus promises that when two or three are gathered in his name, he is with us. We long for spiritual experiences, right? People go to the Grand Canyon to be awed. People go on walkabouts to find themselves. People travel the world to get a fresh perspective. Why? I think we're all longing for a taste of the divine presence. But every week when we gather here, God promises to be with us. Through his word, in our prayers, and through the sacraments, God's presence is guaranteed. It is assured to be here. Not only for us to be strengthened and encouraged by his presence, but for those not yet in his family to be awed and wowed into the presence of God. So what has God done in the midst of our fears, he has sent his son, Emmanuel, which is the promise that God is with us. So how do we enjoy that now? Because let's be honest. When I hear that the good and perfect and holy and powerful God has come, I'm perhaps more fearful than I was before I knew that. Like our, our, the circumstances of our life, the circumstances of this year certainly warrant our fears. But the greatest fear, the deepest fear, the darkest fear is not those things, however great they might be. Our deepest fear is that when God shows up, that we would be found unworthy to be in his presence. If he is the holy and perfect God that he says he is, when he comes, I better run away. That is the deepest fear of our hearts, to be found unworthy in the presence 
of God, when Emmanuel comes, when God comes to be with us, will we be found worthy? Look, in the face of such a powerful and holy God, we stand absolutely condemned in our sin. And God rightly and justly will punish us for our rebellion against him. So how in the world is Emmanuel good news for Joseph? How is Emmanuel good news for us? Because the angel doesn't say he's going to be called Emmanuel, even though that's what Isaiah said. The angel says he's going to be called Jesus. And Jesus will save us from our sins. The word Jesus doesn't mean God with us. The word Jesus means God saves And this is calling back to Psalm 130 and to the whole book of Joshua where God has sent a deliverer, a savior, where God himself is the one who will save and not just save the nation or or, or the people, but will save them from their sins, their deepest and darkest fear. That Jesus is God with us does not bring comfort in itself. Rather, we must know that God comes not only to be with us, but to save us from our sins. Only when we recognize that is God's presence with us real comfort for our fears. Jesus, God himself, he will save us from our sins. And when Joseph heard that, that his son was to be both Emmanuel and Jesus, then he was able to go confidently, not fearing, but trusting that God was going to fulfill his promise. Did Joseph's circumstances change? No. But he did have a renewed trust and confidence, not only that God was coming in his son, but that in his son, he would have the forgiveness of his sins, the deliverance from the greatest enemy. His greatest fear would be calmed. This is what we need this holiday season. At the conclusion of such a tumultuous year with great pain and suffering and deep fear, yes, we need to know that God is with us. But more importantly than that, we need to know that when he comes, he comes to save us from our sin. That is our deepest fear, to be found before a holy God condemned in our sin and yet hear the good news of Christmas God himself will save us from our sins. Jesus Christ, yes, he was born as a baby, but he lived the perfect life that you and I long to live, that we could never live. We, we stand condemned before the Father, but Jesus lived a life of perfection before the Father. And he lived in such perfection and obedience that he went to the cross out of obedience to his father, saying, I will take upon myself the sins of the world. I will bring their deliverance. I will bring their salvation. When he died on the cross, that, brothers and sisters, is our sign. That is our assurance that not only has God come to be with us, he has come to save us from our sins. So in the midst of our fears however great they might be. Let us have confidence and remember this holiday season, yes, God has come, but he's also come to save us from our sins. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Lord, we thank you that you 
to not leave us in the midst of our fears. Lord, but you sent your son, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, to be God with us and not only to be with us and provide protection and security and Lord, you've come to bring us salvation, deliverance from our sin, the greatest fear that we have. Father, through your spirit, remind us of that truth this holiday season. In the midst of the chaos and the pain and the struggles, Lord, remind us of your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.